My name is Mary Grace, and this is the Home Body Podcast. And here we're exploring the home as a body and body as a home. I host spiritually and artfully minded conversations on embodiment, on approaching life as practice, artistic collaboration, and experiment. We'll talk about healing, art, aesthetics, magic, the practices we can bring to hone our intuition and live our life fully awake with our power intact. My hope is to encourage and enliven you and to also cultivate awareness and freedom. We're here to develop wisdom and self-trust and to be dynamic agents of beauty. We're here to design and be more intentional with the creation of our life. And we are here to make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. super cold and on the day that it got super cold our heat broke which was fun so we're all bonding with all of the all of the beings that live in my house in front of a space heater uh this week which is being really fun and cute um and I mean fun loosely Uh, I'm excited about this solo episode that kind of dropped in about mid last week If you haven't had a chance to yet, I just posted a new blog post on Monday, which um, will be yesterday when this episode is coming out, and I would encourage you to check it out. I'll link a link to it below. It's not very long, but I've been doing a lot of searching and thinking and trying to just consolidate my ideas and trying to figure out like what is my personal umbrella, not just for this podcast, but just for the writing, for the healing sessions that I've been doing, for the tarot readings, um, for conversations. What am I, what's the kind of umbrella that's going under all of these things and these offerings, these workshops, um, that I'm building. And, um, I just finally had like a drop in revelation about that, which felt really good. And it felt good to just finally like articulate it and, um, put it out there. But in summary, it is really just about our heart centeredness and coming back to this place where our heart is the center and the heart is the cup for which we're seeking to overflow. And I think that, yeah, just always directing people back to a place of operating from that, the heart being the compass, the heart being the holder, the aim, and also the the seat of where kind of our universality is. It's where our heart is where the seat of our higher consciousness is or our wider self is... Um, we heard last week from Asia. If you haven't listened to last week's interview with Asia Suler, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. It's just such a lovely, lovely conversation. Um, and on Thursday, we'll be interviewing uh, my friend, Michael J. Morris. They are a beautiful, wise, smart soul, just compiling so many transformational, radical ideas into just one being and uh so many different practices and how they're showing up. And I just, um, enjoyed the conversation so much. I felt like they just were able to go so deep and they have such a stamina for research and just a thoroughness for really going into all of the depth that these ideas and these revolutions require. So I would, I hope you join us on Thursday for that episode with Michael J. Morris. And so what I wanted to talk to you about today, what kind of dropped in was talking a little bit more about desire. I think 
a lot of times we tend to have um, fear around desire. And I'm projecting that because I think I've historically had a lot of fear around desire. When you're raised in the kind of spiritual environment that I was, there's a lot of um, there was a lot of fear projected like, oh, desire is something that you can't trust or desire is something that's going to lead you astray or desire is something that's going to um, point you in the wrong direction. And a lot of my personal healing and the affirmation and encouragement I'm able to offer to others is that your heart is good and your desires matter. And that has been personally really transformational for me because it's an affirmation that bringing my heart to this journey is not only, um, it's not optional. It's not, um, something I can do if I want to, but it's actually entirely necessary if I want to experience the joy of being alive. And again, you can read more about that on the blog post that I mentioned a couple moments ago. I'll link it below. Um, so I want to just like take a look at desire for a moment. It's come up in some conversations lately and I was just really feeling that it was time to talk about it. As we move into this period where more of the day is dark than it is light, for instance, we woke up this morning at the normal time, which for us is around like 6.30, 6.45. And, you know, the summer, the sun's already kind of peaking up and it feels super natural to wake up at that time. And today it was just like dark and rainy in this morning. And I just couldn't, I was like, what time is it? And it was just, it's the normal time. It's eight o'clock, it's still dark. And I think we have a lot of cultural fear around spending time in the dark and this idea of darkness and our own personal darkness the more that I was thinking about it and what I wanted to share, it was just this realization that some of the best things happen at night when it's dark. You know, in the daytime when it's light, as much as I love the sun, you know, we're paying attention to everything that it lights up, you know, everything that is around us. But in the night, we're paying attention to the light, uh, fireworks, candles, dragonflies, lanterns they become so obvious where we're really drawn to light so much in the evening and you know what would it look like if we took this time where we're just going to be spending more time in the dark just because of how the earth is rotating and how our cycles work here if we really kind of activated our nighttime on purpose so that we could understand the dance of it more and experiment with how we can our relationship with light instead of only understanding light in one way and that we that they're necessary for each other and the understanding of one another that we only truly understand light in darkness and i understand light so much more potently when i'm looking at a candle which would be potentially my only source of light so really play with that what would it look like for the sun to go down and you to really shift from all of the overhead lights on in my house to like some really specific beautiful lighting that is curated for your space. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be expensive. What if you turned on the lamp in one room? What if you just really let that one space be something calling to you, um, for example, or the candles in your room, if you know you're going to read or, um, and just notice your relationship with light in the nighttime chain. I was uh, driving home today after running an errand this morning and getting ready for um another episode that I was recording. 
And I was thinking about how much I used to, I used to feel really addicted to coffee (laughs) is the short way around it. Um, I needed coffee to get going in the morning and then I would need coffee again around 2 p.m. And I started um, drinking it, I think when I was 16 or 15 years old, I started working. um, I had a part-time job at a drive-thru and I had to be there working with a headset on at six in the morning. And I was also dancing until about 10 o'clock in the evening. And so, you know, I had to do homework and things like that. I just had a really go, go, go life which is insane now that I think about how old I was. But so that's kind of when my coffee habit started. And I adore coffee and I'm not slamming anybody's love of coffee or their habit of coffee at all. This is just my personal narrative and relationship with it. And uh, I gave it up um, earlier in 2019. I was just starting to notice it wasn't doing a lot for me. The taste of it was changing to me. I felt like it was wearing me out instead of energizing me. So I went off of it to do some more homeopathic um, remedies for a while And I noticed that my skin quit breaking out. And then I was like, well, that's it. Like, I'm just, um, I care about my face acne enough uh, to where I haven't been on it since, um, even though I deeply love coffee. And I was driving today and it finally just hit me like, oh, what if I just go get a chai latte? Like, that would be such a beautiful experience. It would feel so yummy to drink my chai while interviewing this person. And it made me really clearly for myself see this really palatable embodied difference between need and desire. I used to need a cup of coffee. And in this moment, I spontaneously desired a cup of chai and how those relationships are different. It wasn't like my day couldn't go on if I didn't get this chai latte. It wasn't that I had an internal story about how I could have a shitty day or I could be um, rude to someone because I didn't get what I needed. I didn't feel entitled to have it. And so it made me start contemplating this difference between need and desire. And I think we have needs and needs are very real and we need to advocate for our needs and the needs of others who are in positions where they can't meet them. Um, But I think what I'm talking to more here is less about the needs of our body and more about the needs of our heart. And, you know, when we step into desire and we move past this idea of need, then I think we really do step into the heart more. And I know that desire can get a bad rap in a lot of spiritual conversations and communities. And that's probably why I've never really formally committed or reattached to any one particular spiritual conversation since I left Christianity. Um, I just, I've always felt so drawn to desire as a language of being human. And I think desire leads us into the heart potentially when it's not attached to need. There's a difference between I need that coffee or I need that person or I need this particular outcome or this experience to go a certain way. That's very different than I desire this feeling or I desire this experience. And when we move into desire, we're actually way more in our heart and desire is such a free flying bird. It's not as bound to these specific narratives as we think they are. I think that's really about our mind constructing houses around our desire or cages around our desire. And desire is a bird. Our desire to me is an expression of our divine 
purpose and calling that lives in our hearts. And our heart is our divine compass. It is the divine mind, the kind of fleck of consciousness that lives inside of us, the spark. And it's not our brains. And I think our brains are kind of animal human need, which I acknowledge and love that part of ourselves uh, can build these constructs, these cages around what this desire has to look like, what it needs to be in order to be validated or to feel fulfilled. And I think something that we can work towards is like, what is it if we just let desire be? When we're able to just let it fly and let it exist without having to meet it instantly, what does it look like? And I think that window that we create there, that questioning that we create around it, that helps us start to distinguish and sift through what is need, what is desire. How can we start to not purge, but I think sift something more gently. How can we start to cleanse and become more conscious around like what is motivating us? And is it that beautiful, heartfelt desire? Or is it like the cage of need that we sometimes put around those desires to feel secure and able to define what we want? For instance, I think for me, who um, have worked through a a lot of really unhealthy um, kind of relationship dynamics in the past and well, unhealthy relationships with a lot of things. But, you know, when I was able to move past the urgency of being satisfied, I was able to see what was really important and what was really essential to my heart soaring and what wasn't. And we all know when we've been diagnosed with this kind of culture of urgency, and I think that the disservice that we do to ourselves, what is missed a lot of times in the culture of urgency, the ability to meet every single thing that crosses our mind, um, with that instant satisfaction is that we don't get the opportunity to sort of see the difference between, oh, I think I need this and I actually desire this. We miss the nuance of that communication and we get more and more living around this really confined cage of what we think desire is and what it's for as opposed to letting it be the bird of our heart that it is. And we also miss in this culture of urgency this delicious anticipation and that really... um, that delectable stewing, that like kind of foreplay of like what's next. And that's such a a beautiful, sensual time. It wakens up the imagination and helps us to feel more alive. And I think the desires that are really core to us, that really are essential to us, like those are things that are that will stay. Those are part of our eternal selves. They're part of what we came here to fulfill. Those desires are little callings or songs that pull us towards what we're here to do and who we're here to be and who's supposed to be in our life and what we're here to love. And I think all of that should also be advocated for, but I don't think it should be caged around. And so I think if we look at this winter with opportunities to create more space in that preparation, in that space in between, I have a sense of what I want and the fulfillment of it. What if we can use that space and elongate it more, draw it out to really sift through what it is that we need? What is it that I truly desire to live into and to feel and to be and to exist and to give? And so I think, you know, as we're getting towards the darker parts of fall and the winter, like how can we intentionally be in the preparation for what's next in a way that's 
anticipating and delicious and beautiful and patient in this way. Not patient as in, uh, when I think of patience in this circumstance, it's like cooking, you know, like stew is going to take a minute and when it's going to make the house smell amazing while it's cooking and it's going to taste delicious while you're eating it. But how can we make the whole process of simmering, of cooking, of chopping, how can we make all of that more, how can we treasure that part of the process more? How can we light the candles? How can we change or reorient ourselves to a different experience of light and darkness and just let ourselves not know and just prepare really beautifully and prepare really on purpose this winter? We're not blocking desire with our false needs, but I think when we do this kind of sifting that we really are actually doing ourselves more of a service and really guarding the gem that really is our our desires and our capital D desire this um yeah this compass that's not of longing but this compass of of want and of life and again that that consciousness that wants to feel whole and beautiful and met and reciprocated and full and satiated and all of that is good and I think when we come to it those beautiful tender desires from a place of need we can over consume them to the point where like with my coffee they're no longer meeting that need it wasn't waking me up anymore that bitterness didn't taste good anymore it wasn't doing its work and now I bet if I had a cappuccino it would be the best thing I've ever tasted and it would feel amazing to be able to enjoy it for what it is instead of what I need it to be in that moment. And I think that reorientation is a repositioning of ourself towards the things that we interact with so that we're not just consuming them, that we're enjoying them, we're inviting them, we're preparing for them. And when they're happening, we don't need it to be anything else, but we can just let it be what it is and interact with it from a place of love and from a place that really is from a full heart and so our desires while they are beautiful and necessary and they're a compass for our aiming when they become this need and or attachment it's it becomes like the need the attachment becomes the cage over the bird of desire and it's desire is not like shopping on the internet it's about clarity within yourself but it also is about surrender there has to be an element of surrender in order for desire to stay truly desire and that surrender requires a degree of trust And I'm not here to tell you what trust looks like because I think that is a super unique relationship for everyone. But at the very least, it's trust that your heart is good and that your desires matter. If you're interested in some journaling prompts around this and some of these themes, I'm going to do a 10-day journaling challenge for lack of a better word, even though I don't love the word challenge, but series, I guess, um, where I'm going to send you a prompt once a day um, for 10 days that you can use to um, explore or kickstart kind of a journal exploration around this particular theme or concept. So those 10 days are going to start next Wednesday on November 13th, and that's going to be happening through email. So if you want those, then make sure that you're signed up for emails from me and I'll um, hyperlink a link directly to that below. Super simple. And just a reminder that um, doing a giveaway through November 10th, I'll announce um, the giveaway recipient on 11 11 
Um, you'll be receiving uh, both of the online workshops that I currently have and also a free 30-minute Reiki session with me. And all you have to do to enter the giveaway is just go to the iTunes host platform, which is be linked below, and you can just uh, leave a five-star rate and review of the podcast and also just share your favorite podcast on uh, your favorite episode of this podcast on social media. And you can just send screenshots of that to my email address, which I'll link below. And I'll announce the recipient via email in the newsletter, but also via Instagram on 11.11. And let me know how or if this resonated with you. There's a way that often putting content out there can feel like you're just sending it into the void. And so your comments, your feedback, make it uh, feel more like the conversation that I hope it is. Sending love. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the show, and consider sharing the episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to tag me on Instagram or send me a DM. I would love to meet you and hear what you thought about the conversation. And we'll see you next week.